VCR. So I, I still have one uh, VHS tape that I have to get converted digitally or I'll lose it forever. You'd think I'd want to lose it forever. It was a videotape of my New York University speech class. I was 19 years old. I just had to give a five-minute speech in front of just 20 people. And I was freaking out, leg shaking, anxiety, and the video shows me throwing my note cards at the camera saying, I can't do this, and leaving the room. And I didn't come back for three weeks. They were like pleading with me, please come back, you can do this. And so I don't know why I would want to get that converted over, but I will show you one day. You, you deserve to see that. So, well, I'll be at the camp out with dad with um, my kids, and Shannon's going to be having a game night with the ladies uh, at 6 p.m., same exact time, in small church. And so whether you're good at playing the game or not, it's a great opportunity to sit with some other people and get to know some other ladies in the church. And so, uh, women, you can go to that website link right there, pretty easy to remember, slash women to RSVP and uh, join them this Friday. Well. We're starting a two-week mini-series that'll lead us to Mother's Day, and then after Mother's Day, we'll be back in the Gospel of John. But we're calling this Relationship Reset. It's not about romantic relationships. It's about all of our relationships. Uh, yeah, that includes family, and so your spouse, your, your kids, your parents and, and in-laws, but also coworkers. Some of our most significant relationships are with those that we work with, our friendships, and our neighbors, those that we're stuck with. You're just kind of praying, oh, Lord, help them to see the value of the equity in their life, in their home, you know, and just help them to see how much money they'd make if they sold. No, they're going to stay. They're going to stay, and you're going to sort this out. The question is, do you have a relationship that you think needs a reset? Now, what do I mean by a reset? Well, I've been thinking we are we watch uh, with Apple TV at home, so we don't flip channels. We click on, you know, different uh, channel apps. Sometimes when we launch them, it'll pull up a partial screen, and then it'll just be thinking and thinking and thinking. And I've got two options at that point. We can wait and hope that it fixes itself, but sometimes waiting will last minutes. You're like, okay, it's not going to fix the problem. Or we can close the app and reset it, restart it, and often that fixes it. That's what we're talking about with relationships. When relationships are broken, we want to just wait. We're like, well, I'll just wait. The problem is we're waiting for someone to apologize to us to make things right, but there's a lot of stubborn people out there, not in the sanctuary here, but out there. There's a lot of stubborn people. You could be waiting your entire life, and so waiting usually doesn't fix it. We need to reset things. We need to fix our relationships because lasting damage can happen if we don't have a reset and work on these things. So this is about, there's two categories of why we would need a reset. One is past hurts. That's what we'll deal with today. Whether someone has hurt you or you've hurt them, that's something we need to talk about. And the other is current problems. When someone continues to cause problems in your relationship, we'll talk about that next week. And so past hurts is what we'll deal with today. And we'll see that a reset is a way that God can use us to, to repair the damage that sin has done to our relationships so we can have healthy, life-giving relationships again. Now, the tools that we're going to use to reset our relationship when it involves past hurts, they're, they're simple. They're just kind of painful to use. The first tool when we've been hurt in the past is forgiveness. This is your time if you want to exit right now. This is a great shit. No, forgiveness, right? Why would we forgive someone? We don't default to this. This isn't our nature to want to forgive others. And so let's talk about three reasons why we should forgive others if we are followers of Christ. And the first is we forgive 
because God pursued forgiveness with us, right? God took that first step and allowed there to be forgiveness with us. We see that in the scriptures. In Romans 5.1, it says, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God. How? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. That is quite a summary statement right there. Yeah, we have peace with God through Jesus. That through our Lord Jesus Christ part actually talks about his perfect life so that he became a perfect sacrifice and died on the cross for our sins. But it all started with God taking the first step and sending his son to die in our place. And if God didn't take that first step, we would die in our sins apart from God. That's the scary truth that we see in the gospel. But we learn from that, that if we don't take the first step in our broken relationships, our relationships may die, right? And relationships are meant to be the moments in life that give us the greatest joy because when someone loves us, blesses us, it it, it makes that joy exponential. But when someone who loves us hurts us, it hurts even more because why would they do that? They, They love us. And so we have to take the first step Otherwise, lasting damage will happen and our relationships may die. And God modeled that for us. But we also want to forgive because unforgiveness hurts us badly. We're the ones that are harmed when we choose to hold on to unforgiveness instead of forgiving. Paul tells this to the Ephesians in chapter 4. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another. And the context of this passage is forgiveness. It says, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Look at this list of what we would even say feels good to us when someone harms us. Bitterness, anger, rage, right? Malice, slander, speaking poorly of them. These are the things that we default to where we want to harm someone back when they harm us. But this list hurts us more than it hurts anyone else. Bitterness is something that is toxic and can stick to us and ruin our lives. I feel like I'm a walking advertisement for uh, pool service companies. And so, Court, you're going to appreciate this today. But so we're going to have all the pool service companies represented from our church out on the patio today because, man, I, I put this pool in 10 months ago and I, maybe I missed a day of training because I'm doing some things right. I know there's two baskets that leaves go into and I empty those every week. I know to check the chemicals and I've gotten pretty good at that. I scrub those walls because I know when I skip a couple weeks, all of a sudden a little algae will come up. And so I've got a good routine. But I wanted to make sure I was doing it right, so I started watching some, you know, YouTube videos. That's how you learn everything in life. Forget about encyclopedias or parents to teach you, right? So I'm watching these YouTube videos, and all of a sudden they start talking about that giant egg-shaped thing that's next to my pool, and they call it a filter. I thought those little baskets were my filters. And I'm like, no one told me what this giant thing is supposed to do. And so it looks terrifying. There's a pressure gauge on it. And mine's going like this, struggling. So I stay away from it because it looks like it's going to explode. And there's warning signs all over. I'm not going anywhere near that thing. Well, in this video, it says I'm supposed to be cleaning that weekly at least once a month. And I've had it for 10 months. And I'm like, oh, what is inside of this thing? And so I shut off all the power and I safely take it apart and it is green, toxic. I mean, if you put a turtle in there, they would become a ninja in a second. It, is, it was horrible. It was disgusting. Thank God my family wasn't home. I'm like, I need to fix this and never speak of it again. And then I put it into a sermon. 
And so this is just three days ago. And so I spray it down, and it goes from toxic green to beautiful white and all this nasty. It just, it was horrendous to look at this stuff. This filth was sticking to those filters, and it blew my mind that that was happening. This is what bitterness, anger, and rage does to us. It sticks to our soul and causes so much harm and filth, and it ruins us more than the other people that we think we're aiming it at. One person said it like this, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping it kills your enemies. Like, what kind of strategy is that? It's, it's mean, and it also isn't going to work. It harms us. Paul gives us an alternative to drinking the poison. It's forgiving others the same way God has forgiven us. And forgiveness will set us free from this bitterness that is clinging to us and ruining our lives more than we know. Maybe you've heard of the phrase, a bitter root, right? That's, that's a biblical phrase. In Hebrews 12, we're told, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and no bitter root grows up to cause trouble. That's a great description of what a bitter root will do. It will continue to fester and grow and cause trouble in our lives. So it's that time of year where I'm going around killing the weeds, and I know you're supposed to get down there and crawl around and, and pick them out is the best way to do it, but I'm a lot farther away from the weeds than some of you, right? I'm tall, and so for, for me, it's easier to squirt poison on it, you know, weed killer, and I can stay upright as I'm doing that. So I'm going through the yard, just shooting everything. It's kind of fun. And, and, and then I come to my orange tree, which is, there's weeds all at the base of it. I'm like, well, I should not spray poison on my orange tree. It'll either kill the tree or I'll be eating poison. Brilliant. And so I choose this time to get down and rip those weeds out of the ground because they're taking the water and the nutrients that my tree needs if it's going to produce the oranges that I want. And so I had to deal with that in a special way. We need to be proactive in dealing with the bitterness in our heart or it will choke out the fruit of the Spirit that God is trying to work in our lives. And so we forgive because unforgiveness is hurting us badly. But we also forgive, and I think this is a, a unique point that we need to consider, because God is a righteous judge. How does that, how does that factor into our ability to forgive? Listen, listen to this verse. Listen to how it's said in Romans chapter 12. Do not repay ev uh, anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, and listen to this, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. Our first reaction when someone harms us is, I demand justice. I want revenge, right? This needs to be done back to them. When, when someone harms us, we don't often say, oh, good, this is one of those forgiveness opportunities I heard about in church. This is great. I get to walk faithfully with my God now. So glad I got this opportunity. Thank you for providing it for me. We don't do that. We demand justice. And so this week, I told Shannon to be on the lookout. I could have sworn there would be a good kid story in here somewhere, but I, every time the kids were fighting with one another, usually it's Legos or, or um, Dominoes. We've been watching the show Domino Masters. So they've been trying to build some fun domino topple things. And, but this week, it's the Rubik's Cube. God forbid we had one of those in our house so I could save a little bit of money, right? But no, they fight over it, and they're, they're yelling at each other over it. So I had to buy two more because I either had to teach them godliness or buy two more to settle it, and I chose the latter. Uh, there's a parenting seminar I'm doing next, in the next steps room after service. I can teach you how to do this. And so 
They're fighting, and so I ask Gideon when he's yelling at his brother, he ruined my Rubik's Cube. I'm like, what punishment do you think we should give to Titus? You get to choose. And I'm thinking he's going to say, we will sell all of Titus's toys and give the money to charity. That'll teach him something horrible. But they were just so boring this week. They're like, ah, I guess I should forgive him. I'm like, no, don't forgive him. <laughs> Justice. You know, I was trying to stir up the anger in them, but it did not. So they, I need some other kids to give me better examples. They were, they were, I don't know, they were off this week. Something was wrong. Listen, here's something that's so important for us to consider when, when we want to be freed up to forgive. There is a righteous God who has anger towards sin, even sin that is done against us. God is angry against sin. And forgiveness, you could give it many definitions, but forgiveness is a decision to trust God with justice. Let God be the righteous judge. He knows what should be done to the person who has sinned against you. And God can make it right, and we can trust him to do that in two different ways. One is that the person remains in their sin, they remain in their guilt, and they are judged by a righteous judge who hates sin so much that he created a place called hell for those that choose to live in rebellion forever against him. This judge will judge the person who harmed you. That's one way God could do it. We want him to do this. We're like, yes, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, an arm for an arm. Give them what's coming to them. Sometimes we do reap what we sow, and those things do come back on people. But the other way that God can make it right when it comes to justice is by inspiring that person to repent of their sins, believe in Jesus, and then they are covered by the blood of Jesus. You're like, no, 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 that's not the option I want. I like the one where they're punished. Well, listen, it's not letting them off the hook. Justice, universal justice is still happening because God poured out his wrath upon his son Jesus for that sin that somebody did against you, and that was enough. And when we can learn to trust God with justice, we are honoring the crucifixion, and we are saying in our hearts, it was so valuable what Jesus did. It mattered so much that not only did it save me and Jesus' blood covered me from my sins, but those who have sinned greatly against me, it covered those sins as well. It elevates the crucifixion when we trust God to be a righteous judge, like he says. God has called us to forgiveness, not to justice. We have to wrestle with that. Some people struggle with being willing to forgive because forgiveness can be assigned a bunch of different definitions that aren't necessarily in the Scripture. So I saw a great list I wanted to put up on the screen of what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not really any of these things, right? Forgiveness is not excusing. There's no excuse for sin. It's always wrong. You're not letting someone off the hook and excusing them from their behavior when you forgive them. Forgiveness is also not denial. When somebody hurts you and sins against you, don't pretend that it didn't hurt. Bring that pain to God as you wrestle through forgiveness. Forgiveness is not a feeling. You can forgive regardless of how you feel emotionally about somebody else. It doesn't have to be a feeling that we have. And forgiveness is not forgetting, right? I, I like to think I'm like the most forgiving person on the planet. The truth is, is I'm the most forgetting person on the planet. Like long-term, uh, I've, I've got great short-term memories, right? But uh, my kids are always saying, what were you like as a kid? I'm like, ask your grandma. My mom will tell you 
my childhood memories for you, you know? And so I always tease my parents saying, I wish you would have taken us on vacation when we were kids. It would have been really a happy childhood. They're like, we did! We did, you just forget all the time. Forgiveness is not forgetting. It's not the same thing. Forgiveness requires that we remember that transgression and we bring it before God in light of him being a righteous judge and in light of how God has forgiven us because of what Jesus has done. And this next one I think is so important. Forgiveness is not trust. We're not, when we forgive someone, we're not saying they are trustworthy again. Those are different things. And this is a big one for causing us to not want to forgive, right? People need to earn trust back. And some people won't be able to do that because of how horrendous the crime was against you or your family. Biblical wisdom would say there needs to be space between you. Biblical wisdom would say never to put yourself in that situation again. And so while there's a time to repair a relationship, sometimes we just need to focus on forgiveness with God and there needs to be no relationship. So just because you forgive does not mean you're assigning trust to somebody and inviting them back into your life where they can harm you again. But the scariest of them all is that forgiveness is not optional. God commands it. So the worst case scenario would be somebody who is obviously guilty in sinning against us and we are the innocent party then we choose to not forgive them like we're commanded to do, and now we're guilty before God. That, don't put yourself in that situation. Leave the other person as the guilty party, and you remain innocent by forgiving the person. God has commanded us to do so. We see Jesus saying this in Matthew chapter 6. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. This is a conditional promise. If we want to be forgiven by our Father in heaven, we have to offer forgiveness to others. Now, it doesn't mean that if you by accident one time didn't forgive somebody, that all of a sudden that's going to be brought up and you won't be allowed into heaven. It means that we need to have a heart of forgiveness for other people because that shows that we are truly children of God who recognize just how bad our sin was against a holy God we recognize that was depraved, it was wrong. And if we've been forgiven that great amount and God forgave us of that, then of course we should forgive other people that have sinned against us. And I know that's difficult. And I'm not, not trying to minimize anybody's pain who has had horrendous things done to them. I'm not saying restore those relationships if it puts you in, in danger. But we need to talk to God about forgiveness if we're going to be right with Him. And forgiveness is not reconciliation. Forgiveness is only one part of trying to repair the damage sin does to relationships. Reconciliation takes two people working to restore the relationship. Forgiveness, in many ways, can be between you and God, and when appropriate, you, you share that with the other person. So this is hard. This is hard, and we're all thinking about someone we don't really want to forgive. And sometimes when it's so emotional and raw, we don't even know how to go about the process. And so I'm going to put a prayer template on the screen. This is going to be in your app with the sermon notes as well, because sometimes we just don't even know what to say when somebody's hurt us or our family so bad. You could say something like this, Father, I've been hurt by either that person or what they've done to you. I know that you care about me, so please comfort and heal this pain. I myself am a sinner that should be punished, but you forgave me because of Jesus. Help me to extend forgiveness to this person. I trust that you are a righteous judge, so I'll leave justice and vengeance to you. 
I know you love me. Please help me to love this person in Jesus' name. Amen. Sometimes we need to pray that prayer every day for a season to work on a heart of forgiveness. We need to believe in these biblical truths that are, are shown in that prayer. Sometimes we, we pray it once and God frees us up. Other times we need to keep going back and saying, Lord, I know you want me to forgive. Past hurts that have been done to us need to use the tool of forgiveness if we're going to reset those relationships. But what, what if we're the one that caused the past hurt? What if we're the one that broke the relationship with our pain and we regret it and we want to make it right? What do we do in those situations? Well, often instead of owning it and admitting that we were wrong, we, we kind of avoid it, right? We avoid it in different ways. One is through blame shifting, right? We're like, well, it was, it was actually because you did this that I did that. Oh, I, I drank too much, and so I said this stupid thing, but I'm not going to say that again. And we, we blame shift and try and point, I'm just stressed at work, and so I flipped out at home. Well, that's not owning it to point the blame elsewhere besides right back at ourselves. Sometimes instead of owning it, we compare, and we say, whoa, what you did to me was worse than what I did to you, or other people are worse than me. You're kind of complaining about how things are in our marriage or in our family or, or at work, but other people are worse than me. Comparing isn't owning it, and minimizing it isn't owning it. Saying you're overreacting. This was a small thing, right? To minimize it isn't to say that you admit it was you that was wrong. We all cause harm in relationships that we actually care about. I'll let you in on a little secret. We had a 7.30 a.m. service last week for Easter, and 10 minutes before that service started, I had to call my wife to apologize. Now, I know you don't want the details. You don't want me to tell you the story, so I'll spare you of that. I'm sure we were both wrong. Well, okay. Actually, it was Saturday night, and I knew I had to get up much earlier than normal. So Shannon was kind enough to suggest, why don't you sleep in the playroom? We're good. It's just that that playroom is the quietest room in the house. Gideon's been doing a little sleepwalking lately, so I've been up a lot at night trying to figure out where is this boy. He's not in his bed and going and putting him back there. And so she was going to handle the, the kids, and I was going to get some good sleep, and it was going to be great. And so, but then I went upstairs, and she was excited to give the kids a special sleepover because it was different. She goes, let's sleep, in, and you can sleep in mommy's bed, and we're going to, you know, it'd be great. The kids are excited. They're bringing all their blankets in. They're, they couldn't be happier. They love sleepovers. Well, then I go upstairs thinking, well, th this isn't going to work. I have to use the master bathroom in the morning to brush my teeth. I'll turn the light on, and I'm going to have to be all quiet, and I, don't, I need to be able to get ready quick, and the shower's here, and it's just not going to work. So Shannon's like, all right, it's the day before Easter. All right, sleepover's canceled. Bad idea. The kids are screaming. It's the end of the world in the Dean house. And I go back down the stairs, and then the Holy Spirit reminds me, this is literally the easiest problem to solve in the world. So I go back upstairs, and I was like, well... I guess I could take my toothbrush out of the master bathroom and put it in the guest bathroom. I guess there are other options, right? And so Shannon's like, no, it's too late. The kids are crying. I'm like, no, do, do the sleepover. That's fun. And I, I go downstairs. I get the best night of sleep of my life. I'm getting ready to preach. And the Holy Spirit's like, you're a jerk. I was like, first of all, you shouldn't use the jerk word called God, right? But what do you mean? And then all of a sudden I was like, oh man, I need to, I need to make this right. I've got 10 minutes. So I call Shannon. She starts telling me all these cute stories about the kids at the sleepover. And I hang up and I'm like, oh, I forgot to apologize. So I call her back right away. And I said, sweetie, I called 
to apologize. I was, I was a grumpy dad for no reason. You were being sacrificial and kind. Please forgive me. And she forgave me. I hung up and had just enough time to get up here and be right with the Lord and with my wife and preach, right? All of us harm other people. Jesus tells us that we need to make it right. He says this in Matthew chapter 5. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister or wife has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. In Jesus' time, before he died on the cross, this would be a sacrifice brought to the temple and someone's trying to be right with God through the sacrificial system, but if they realize that they're not right with other people, and they're, they're just trying to make the relationship only between them and God, but there's no peace with them and other people, Jesus is saying, don't be a hypocrite. As you get in line with God, he's going to help bring harmony in your relationships. So he says, deal with those horizontal relationships, not just the vertical one. And so we need to, to do what Jesus says, which is to reconcile and this is God calling us to attempt to make it right, reconciliation. This is where we try to do our part to repair sin's damage. And I say attempt and try because sometimes we've damaged the relationship too much and there will be long-term consequences and there might not be the same kind of relationship, but a follower of Jesus will try to reconcile. This is our second tool that we use when there have been past hurts in our relationships, and it's repairing the damage, reconciling. And there's a few different ways to do this. I think these five that we're going to put on the screen are important if we're trying to reconcile. And the first is admit our wrongdoing. We need to own it and admit that we were wrong. So avoid using words like if, but, and maybe while you're owning it. If I offended you, yes, you did. <laughs> maybe I overreacted, yes, you did. But you did this. No, that's not the point. <laughs> admit to wrongdoing and own it. And then after that, we need to apologize. Let them know, I really am sorry. I know I keep doing this, but I really am sorry. Apologize and then ask for forgiveness because you need to give them an opportunity to forgive you so that you know if your relationship is in harmony, if it's at peace again. Will you forgive me? I love a little trick that Shannon has been doing since year one of our marriage, not that I gave her a chance to use it, but when she will not say, I'm sorry, or she will not say, she does say, I'm sorry. She will not say, I forgive you unless she actually means it. This is incredibly helpful in our marriage. And so I do something stupid. I hurt her feelings and I'm like, sweetie, I'm sorry. If she's like, mm-hmm, I'm like, oh no, I've really hurt her. So later in the day, I got to call midday to let her know how serious. Hey, babe, I'm so, I'm so sorry for what I said, how I hurt you. Okay. Oh no, right? But usually by that night, because the Bible says don't let the sun go down on your anger, usually by that night there's a time, you know, we'll be watching TV or something together, and she goes, I forgive you. And I'm like, oh, thank you. And, but sometimes, sometimes I do something, I'm like, oh, this is bad, right? And I'm like, uh, I'm sorry. And she's like, I forgive you. I'm like, no way, right away? Right away you forgive me? Are you, remember the rule? And she goes, I know the rule, I forgive you. I'm like, that's crazy. You're too easy. You're forgiving too easily here. But it's a great rule because it, 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 I know when we are right with each other because she's serious about that. And then accept the consequences. Let people know. You know you hurt the relationship. 
You know that there will be consequences. The relationship might not be the same anymore. Acknowledge that. Sometimes we say, oh, I'm sorry, please forgive me. And then we demand that the relationship stay exactly the same, even though there's consequences to our decisions. That's not what forgiveness is. There are real consequences. And that person has to trust to deal with those things with the Lord and and be right with God as they say there are consequences. We need to own them. And then finally, alter behavior. We need to let the person know how the next time this situation happens, you're going to act differently. Or if there's a root cause that is causing this all the time, you need to say, okay, I'm going to deal with this root issue that leads to this, these hurtful words. I'm going to tell my discipleship group that I, that I did this so I can start having some transparency in my life and some honesty. And often we need to make it up. Some sins are flower-worthy sins. Right? There's sometimes where it doesn't matter if she says, I forgive you. I know I am still bringing home flowers and suggesting, sweetie, instead of cooking tonight, why don't I buy you dinner? <laughs> you know, because some sins require more than just a conversation to show the person you really do mean that you are sorry. Now, the Bible tells us that we need to be doers of the word and not hearers only. And unfortunately, that applies today as well. And applying the scriptures today couldn't be more awkward and painful and uncomfortable. But there are two obvious applications to the Word of God today. One is forgiveness and one is reconciliation. And so I believe the Lord is asking us to search our hearts and to at least forgive one person that we've been unforgiving with, right? To apply these biblical truths and and, and deal with that person with God and say, I want to have a heart of forgiveness. Lord, give me that heart of forgiveness that I should have towards this other person. It doesn't mean you reestablish the relationship exactly the same way, but we need to free ourselves from from bitterness and anger and rage and that anxiety and worry and how uncomfortable it is when we're around that person again. We need to free ourselves from that. And so who does God want us to forgive? Maybe you take that prayer template in the notes and, and you pray that and you start working with the Lord on forgiving someone. And the other way to, to apply this sermon would be to repair sin's damage, to reconcile to take the first step where there's been distance and brokenness in a relationship because of something that you've done, and you begin to try and repair the damage of sin in that relationship. And so those are both very difficult things to do, but, but very God-honoring things to do. And remember, it c- connects to that conditional promise we see Jesus saying that children of God will have hearts of forgiveness because we remind ourselves that we have been forgiven so much by God, and so we will extend it to other people. But since that's so difficult, let me pray for us to have the strength to do that. Father, we need your help when it comes to forgiving those that have harmed us. And Lord, I pray for comfort for anyone in this room that has been harmed so severely or their family has been harmed so severely that this is the last thing that they want to do. Help them to find the balance of forgiveness and wisdom and making sure there are proper boundaries up so they won't be hurt in the same way again. Comfort them and heal them from the pain that has been caused against them. And Lord, if we are the cause and the source of pain in somebody else's life, we ask that you would help us to have the courage that we need to honor your word, to be like children of God, and that we would go and attempt to make it right. Lord, if we can do these things, what a witness it would be, how powerful it would be to lift up what happened on the cross and remind us that was enough. We don't have to be the ones punishing other people. What Jesus did was enough. And so help us to do that in Jesus' name. Amen.
We also want to have a, we have a prayer team that's going to be available after service today. If you want to bring these things to us so that we can lift them up for you, we would love to do that. And so please come forward for prayer if you'd like to also. God bless. We'll see you next week.